Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. What do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, get comfortable while you're here. Just settle in. Maybe put on like a like a Bill Belichick style hoodie. You know, one of those ones that's like objectively gross and should absolutely get thrown out. But it's also like super comfortable. Brent, you got any of those? You know what I'm talking about? I call them inside hoodies. For sure. I yeah, oh, I have multiple uh, just disgusting hoodies that I only wear inside. Uh, but I, now that I live in uh, sunny California. It's really just during the two weeks of winter, but those two weeks I'm wearing them and spilling food on them and then not washing them and throwing them back in the closet until the next winter. That's smart. That's a good way to do it. I've become a long sleeve t-shirt guy during the pandemic. I think it's one of the more practical pieces of clothing we've ever invented. Oh, (laughs) that's a great call. They're not... The two long sleeve t-shirts that I own, I cherish, but I never seek them out. Right. That's what I've had to retrain my brain to do because I have way too many hoodies, but not enough long sleeve t-shirts. So now when I'm on the lookout, I just go straight to the long sleeve Mm -hmm. Mm t-shirt section, but they are rare. It's a dying breed. Maybe we should bring them back personally. Yeah. I think we should bring it back. Maybe like a line of Mariners. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Some bootlegs. Some boot arms. 
So that voice you heard belongs to Brent Flyberg, a stand-up comedian whose album, 20 for 30, you can stream. That's very cool. You may have also seen Brent at Bumbershoot, Folklife, Bridgetown Comedy Festival, or just around Seattle where he used to live. Brent, what is shaking? How is your life going? How are you living? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here to talk about the Mariners. Very, very kind of you to plug my album. Uh, I don't know if, if you've noticed, but I, I made a mistake when I was uploading it. So it's not, <laughs> oh. it's not categorized as comedy. It's, it's categorized as world high life. And these <laughs> steps I would need to take to correct it are frankly just more than I want to do. So um, no one's going to find it like on their own. So if you want to listen, yeah, if you want to listen to my, my standup comedy EP, uh, it's on all the platforms, but it's just categorized as world high life music. That is tough. It does come up when you Google your name though. So I guess that's something. Okay. That's but good. I didn't yeah, even notice good. the high life thing. Yeah. I don't think it's something that's like immediately apparent, but if you like, if you like go into, if you go into Spotify, yeah, it's just like, you know, all the metadata tags are wrong and CD baby, the company that I used to, to like distribute. I, I basically, I fucked up so bad, dude. I overpaid because the service, whatever, this is not interesting to anyone, but basically I was (laughs) like, Hey, I couldn't choose comedy when I was uploading it. And so I just chose whatever. And then I like emailed CD baby and I was like, it won't let me change it now. It also wouldn't let me edit it later. And they were like, Oh yeah, well the option that you paid for doesn't, I don't know. It was like a weird thing where it was like, you can't upload it as comedy because of these like settings that you basically paid for. And it's like, well, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to deal with this. (laughs) I know the internet is too confusing. I think every album should be distributed on floppy disks and we'll go back to like a, a like a hardware based system. That's a great, if you listen, if you're listening to this and you can't find my album, um, email me and I'll send you a floppy. That's a perfect, perfect solution. What is like, who are you competing with in the world high life genre? What even is that? I have no idea. Uh, I think it's a specific type of, music but i i haven't this is a good question i should have looked into that i don't know maybe it's steve winwood uh because yeah he has the the song you know living the high life again uh so maybe it's just me and steve winwood in the spotify high life section that is probably a losing battle steve winwood has really (laughs) a strong he has a stronghold on all things higher i guess higher love also a steve winwood banger Yeah, you're right. Damn, dude. What was I thinking? I don't know. It's okay, though. You made it. You made it. Like, you're still alive. You know, you survived a pandemic this far, at least. You know, this fuck up three years ago isn't really affecting you now, it seems like. At least health-wise. Yes, not health-wise. That's a good call. Not health-wise. And it's probably not affecting my wallet, but I do wonder if I'd be getting more streams if I had categorized it properly. But we'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, I'm doing all right. You didn't ask, but I am doing all right. Uh, I actually, I have been reeling for the past few days due to some new information I came across. Uh, I was recently at at Safeway, a grocery store that I frequent. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can ask about them. They're everywhere. And I found myself in the Oreo wing of the store. And it Mm -hmm. turns out that Oreo is pushing a carrot cake flavor. Have you seen this? Heard about this? No. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? No, I have not. Oh man! I, it, I, 
you are brave for even walking down through the Oreo wing. I I have the impulse control of a child, and so I I do not. I'm not. I don't. I try not to go down that aisle because it does. It just never ends well for me. Well, I think it would have ended better if I hadn't come across this vile concoction. And for all I know, <laughs> they could be pretty good. Like I do like carrot cake, but I think it's uh-huh. all about texture, right? Like I don't want hmm. the Oreo version of carrot cake. Also, like your Oreo, just make Oreos. I don't understand yeah. why they feel like they have to make all these new flavors now. Well, I don't I'm I think I gotta disagree with you here. I think the Oreo variations are exciting. A regular Oreo, of course, a great cookie, but it's not gonna that's not gonna get my blood boiling like uh like have you ever had like the the white chocolate fudge Oreos? That's a good Oreo. No. I've only had oh. Oreo and the reverse Oreo, golden Oreo, or they were called oh, yeah, that's Oreos a for a minute. Yeah. That was fun. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm da- I would try. I think I would probably like this carrot cake Oreo. I think that I think Oreo is sort of like um they're sort of like a Taco Bell where like they're not making real food, but whatever kind of chemistry they're using just hits my pleasure centers in the right ways. So I bet I bet I would fucking if I had a I would probably take down a sleeve of carrot cake Oreos if left unattended. Oh, yeah. Listen, I agree with you 100 percent. I know for a fact that I, anything Oreo makes, I would eat like no question about it. <laughs> it was more just the principle of it. Like I was getting upset that we gave Oreo this much power, maybe like there literally was mm-hmm. like seven different types of Oreos in this Safeway. And I got to thinking like, surely there's another company that has been pushed to the margins because of carrot cake Oreo. <laughs> and that's fucked up to me. Yeah, that's, I mean, dude, that's everyone, whatever. I was trying to make, I was trying to make some sort of statement about capitalism. I'm too dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah I've been furiously emailing Nabisco just trying to make heads or tails of this and it feels I don't know it feels like a lot to just stumble across in aisle 12 you know so I needed to just make sure that they don't like surprise any people like in the future I'm looking out for people like me and you who stumble into the Oreo wing and don't know what's in there but I didn't get very far up the Nabisco ladder so I decided to just do this instead which I'm thrilled about happy to have air it out air it out so nobody else is walking into that aisle unprepared. Yeah, but at the same time, if anyone is a fan of the carrot cake Oreo or is brave enough or intoxicated enough to try them, absolutely let me know because then I'll feel safer if I know that they're actually edible, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to know too. Great. So, Brent, you're uh, you're a comedian in L.A., as I mentioned, chasing those showbiz dreams, but you're here mm-hmm. to talk about the Mariners for an episode of our little series here, Why I'm a Mariners Fan. So am uh-huh. I correct in assuming that you were sired and raised in the Pacific Northwest. This is accurate. I'm a a former resident of Briar, Washington, 98036. Grew up in Briar, went to Mount Lake Terrace High School, lived in Seattle. I mean, I went to college in Spokane, but basically went to lived. I lived in Mariners country for the first, most of the first 31 years of my life. Okay, that's pretty cool. So I, when I was doing research for this, and by research I mean typing in your Twitter handle plus the word baseball, uh, I did come across some statements about your your career. Um, would you like to oh, tell boy. our Would you like to tell our millions of listeners about playing college baseball? Where you? What school was it? Was it? I'd love competitive. To. Was it hilarious? What happened in your college baseball? Love world? to. So I played 
one year at Shoreline Community College, which I wonder if that even comes up when you search it. But I played one year at Shoreline Community College and then three years at Whitworth University. If you want to get really technical, one year at Whitworth College and then they changed their name. So then two years at Whitworth University. But uh, Shoreline Community College in the NWAC, uh, you know, junior college, Wood Bat League. And then three years at Whitworth, I think my – I've calculated it before. I I wonder if you found it on my Twitter. But I think I, I our – in the four years of college baseball that I played, the teams that I was on had a combined win-loss record of like 40 wins and 110 losses. Um, so, you know, it was an exercise in humility mostly. Uh, I played that, that one year at Shoreline Community College – uh, we, I think we, if I remember correctly, we started the season by losing 10 games in a row. And then we went and we played Tacoma Community College, who at the time was undefeated. They had won seven games in a row. And we, yes, we beat them twice. And then we oh, immediately, shit. our next doubleheader was against Skagit Community College, who was like a powerhouse at the time. I don't know if they still are. Um but we beat them the first game and then lost the next game. And we were like, okay, maybe we're not that bad. And then I think we lost like 20 games in a row. <laughs> um, that team, if, if I remember correctly, finished five and 34. Um, and then I, yeah. And then I transferred to Whitworth where I was not much more successful personally or as a team. Um, I was, although I was, I was the Northwest Conference uh, Pitcher of the Week, honorable mention, um, oh. once. My one – this is my – I have two – two here – okay, I'm going to brag a little bit. These are my two yeah, please. Uh, brag-worthy collegiate pitching moments. Um, my one start – the only start I had in college was a complete game. That was the week I got uh, honorable mention for Pitcher of the Week. It was senior day. It was a <laughs> – you know, it was a pity start, and then I, I you know, I played very well. Um, but then the other one was my junior year. We played – so every year we would drive to Lewiston to play um, Lewis and Clark State. And if you're not familiar with Lewis and Clark State, Lewis and Clark State is essentially like last chance university for baseball. It is an NAIA powerhouse. It is where – you go they, like they have a wall outside the field of all the players that have been drafted in the last, you know, however many years. And it's, it's a, it's an impressive list. Like Keith, I think Keith Folk went there. Bucky Jacobson is another one that I remember because he was a Mariner, not because he had a particularly successful career, but they've had, you know, they had a legendary coach, Ed Chef, and they were, they were just churning out major league players. And so we would drive down there because they would play us because none of the, we were a D3 school, so none of the D1 schools like Gonzaga or WSU or, or even uh, I think Central eventually played us. But a lot of those schools wouldn't play us because it was a no-win situation for them because uh, if they lost to us, it, it like really hurt their standings uh, and beating us was you know assumed. Um, but So we would go and we would play Lewis and Clark State and they would absolutely pummel us. And my junior year, Whitworth had played them every year for, you know, however long and had not won a game against Lewis and Clark state in 11 years. And I had a, a two inning save and, and struck out a three year starter with the tying run on third base. And when we, when we, I remember 
just oh, such a distinct memory of when we won. I celebrated on the field, and one of my own teammates from the dugout yelled, "Act like you've been here before!" And oh, no. uh, I still, th- yeah, I still think about it a lot. Uh, but also, I truly had never been there before, and I would never return. <laughs> so oh, whatever. Yeah. No, I side with you here for sure. Definitely let it all yeah. out. And I did Google uh, the list of Lewis and Clark State alumni oh, who made the you? big leagues. You're forgetting another Mariner legend, Brendan Ryan, also went there. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, 2000 oh. to 2003. So he was there for a minute. Uh, Blaine yeah, Hardy Brendan also Ryan. in the mix. That's uh, right. I play, I played summer ball with Blaine Hardy. I forgot that he, uh, after Portland, because it's, it's the school where you, yeah, if you like – not that this is what Blaine Hardy did, but like if you go to a D1 school and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, if you flame out academically or you just decide like, I just want to get drafted, I don't care about school, you go to Lewis and Clark State, I think partially because their academic programs are not not super robust. Sure, that we didn't come to play school approach. I love that. Yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I played I played summer ball with Blaine Hardy. That's funny that you yeah, because I was thinking about that. Like, who did I play with who ended up in the major leagues? And he's he's the only one who I like knew. Uh, very nice guy. Uh, classic baseball, <laughs> classic baseball guy who like you know wasn't a wasn't a very studious person, but very kind and just like just a baseball machine. Oh, I bet those guys like whenever you come across an athlete who is like going to go pro, but at a younger age, it's very mm-hmm. like jarring sometimes to see that yeah. play out right in front of your face. Like, oh, you're like legitimately good at this. Like we're yeah. good at this, but you're like good at this. And it was also it was weird because like I didn't think he was going to be the guy like he was very good, but he wasn't the like freak athlete that some of the other players I played. You know, I played with a few guys who were like. 17 and bumping 95 with a fastball and Blaine Hardy was like, you know, he was throwing mid eighties and, and, and winning and, and doing well, but he never, he never seemed like he was the, the like physical freak that you needed to be to, to make it to the major leagues. Uh, as opposed to like, I played against Travis Snyder in high school who was just head and shoulders so much like physically <laughs> more than everyone else on the field that it was like, yeah, of course this guy's going pro. Whereas Blaine Hardy, it, it just seemed like, yeah, this guy's a good athlete. He'll have a good career in college and that'll probably be it. But no, he's, yeah, he's been a major league baseball player for like seven or eight years. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I'm thinking now to my childhood, I flamed out of baseball much earlier than you did, but mm-hmm. the kids in our orbit who are like around my age, who are really good. Oh, I mentioned him actually before we were recording, uh, Zach Levine dunked, so hard on this kid in my Spanish <laughs> class. Like, you know those dunks? I don't know if this is technically a foul, and like I would hate if they called it, so it doesn't matter. But like the dunk where the dunker like puts his foot on the defender's chest and like gets yeah. higher. <laughs> yeah, one of those. So that was tough to watch, Ooh. but also very cool to watch. You know, I remember yeah. Peyton Siva coming to my high school like as a visiting player. He was pretty That's good. That's cool. Yeah. Yes, yeah, basketball too. The <laughs> the range on the range of like physical ability is crazy and it's different with baseball because like you know, a guy like Travis Snyder, he only gets so many at bats per game whereas exactly. one basketball player has the ability to completely take over a game. So yeah, if you have Zach Levine or Peyton Siva and then a bunch of like 16-year-olds, like it's just not fair. 
<laughs> yeah. I remember also, uh, does the name Max Brown mean anything to you? He was Skyline's quarterback who was like top prospect, went to USC, but didn't really uh, do anything from there. Sounds vaguely familiar, but I, no, yeah. not really. So he went to, to Skyline, my rival high school. And again, I did not play football, but I remember watching him play our team. And me and my friends who were just like, in the bleachers, I remember we came up with this plan to like try to plant weed on him to get him in trouble, <laughs> which is so fucked up. Like, would not advocate for that. Obviously, we didn't carry it out either. We were just like sitting around, like, what can we do to make sure our high school wins this football game? And somehow yeah. that idea started rattling around. But you never. There were no steps taken. It was just kind of a, a <laughs> no, no. Okay. We f- I think because we, you know, pulling back the curtain on my life, we were definitely weed smokers as well, and we thought that was like kind of against the code of weed, you right. know, to like use yeah. it for evil. So. To besmirch the good name of weed in the, <laughs> in the service of personal gain. Over high school football in Sammamish. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I played baseball. I was like one of those kids who was way better, like eight, nine, ten years old when the mm-hmm. other kids like can't even catch the ball, you know? Mm-hmm. That was when I peaked. Uh, but I played up until... Were you bigger too? Were you like... No. Because so, I... No. Okay. Yeah, I was a, a small middle infield type leadoff hitter, contact guy. Um, but I played up until sophomore year of high school. I retired. Mm-hmm. I used the word retired um, <laughs> because I didn't want to do. I didn't. I, okay, so my sophomore year of high school, I played for a club team. I didn't want to do high school baseball because I heard they had practice every day, and that seemed <laughs> like a lot. So I played for this club team. It was actually, it was really funny. We, uh, we staged a mutiny and got our coach fired, which was hilarious. Whoa. Yeah. It was like, it was kind of hot shit. Like we, I remember we were at a practice and like the club team had like a general manager, heavy air quotes, you know, just like the guy yeah. who funded everything. And we went to him cause he was at the practice and we went to him and we were like, this coach is horrible. Like we did. I remember there was one practice in like a February you know, drizzle in Washington where we did pickoffs for like 45 minutes and no mm-hmm. one thought that that made any sense. So that was like the last straw. We were like, we can't do this anymore, <laughs> coach. And then they brought in this college kid who was home for the summer, maybe even home for the whole season because he was injured or whatever. But he was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I'll be your coach. And he let me pitch in a tournament when it's like, you know, bottom of the barrel, like, hey, everyone has 85 mm-hmm. pitches. We haven't used any of yours. And I did the same thing you did, complete game, but it was like nine to seven. Like I gave up a lot of mm-hmm. runs, but I did pitch that whole game. And then and after that, was that your I only just, start? Only pitching of the whole season. I was extremely wow. not a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. I was up there. It was position player pitching shit. I was throwing like 35 probably with like a little bit of movement, <laughs> trying to keep everything below the knees. And then after that, I decided I was good and started focusing more on my weed smoking career, which is ongoing. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good transition. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very prolific in this stage of my life. Uh, not as good at baseball, although I haven't played real baseball in a while. Do you ever like get out? Are you in like a men's league or anything? Do you ever get out there? No, and play, like- I, I used to play, I mean, before, you know, the world closed, I, I played co-ed softball with, um, you know, like work friends, I would play co-ed softball and, um, that was a lot of fun, but it's, <laughs> I, I, I've, I have had to, as I've gotten older, like distance myself from sports in general, both playing and spectating because I'm like, I, I often do not like the person I become around sports as much as I like sports. I think that <laughs> I kind of have to enjoy them alone. I just get, I am, 
I don't know. I have a bit of a temper, and I'm pretty good at keeping a lid on it. But when sports are involved, it's all bets are off. I feel that. I uh, Within arm's reach of me right now, I have a Kyle Seeger bobblehead. I have a Jewel Lloyd bobblehead. I have a framed drawing of Dirk Nowitzki in my living room. Like it's very, <laughs> very cool. it's very sports, but I do the same thing that you do. Like when I meet new people, I always try to like ease it in, you know? And then when yeah. they find out, <laughs> when they find out like how into sports I am, particularly the Mariners and baseball, I always have to preface it. Like, yeah, so I am like pretty into the Mariners, but not in an annoying way, you know? Like I always <laughs> have to make sure they know that I'm not going to like ruin my actual life over baseball. And not that mm-hmm. like if there's people out there who are like, I ruined my life because of the Mariners. Like, that's fine. You know, like, yeah. live your life. But I did not Go want to it. become that person. Yeah, mm-hmm. let the Mariners take hold now. Why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Brent, in my Twitter research, I also saw something. Um, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was about you essentially trying to pivot from jock to artist as an adult, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're mm-hmm. talking about right now. Um, mm-hmm. A famously tough jump to make. I would say Shaq has done it pretty well. <laughs> um, Bernie Williams, he had like a Spanish guitar album that is apparently pretty good. Did he really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, Victor I remember. Oladipo. Victor Oladipo can sing. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, wow. Now that I'm thinking about it, like it is usually like very harmless singing is usually the route they go or Shaq mm-hmm. doing like the Will Smith style of rapping. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Namdi yeah, Asamoah not- is? That name sounds familiar, but I, I can't I can't pin it down. He was a defensive back in the NFL in the mid two thousands, but now he's married to Carrie Washington, and she like puts him in stuff. It's very interesting. Oh, good for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's oh, like Rick Fox, very good looking too. Oh yeah, Rick Fox. Like, that's also. like a Rick Fox type. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, Wilt Chamberlain, probably the best example. Uh, you know, he's he was a staff writer on Ver- the Veronica Mars reboot. No, no, no. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But yes, that oh, is true. Oh, yep. Yep. You're right. I'm Will Chamberlain uh, is like very That's dead. what we found out is I'm racist. <laughs> and have not a great concept of time because I believe Will Chamberlain yeah. has been dead since the 90s. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Oh, Mulligan. I'm going to take a mulligan on this one. You know but who's a better no. example? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's what I said all along. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is doing the same thing to like young aspiring comedy writers as Carrot Cake Oreo is doing to these up and coming cookies. <laughs> that is a callback, folks. <laughs> this guy, he's done a podcast before. All right. Yeah. All right. But anyway, uh, as I was saying, how has the pivot from jock to artist gone? Do you like I'm well, sure you've met other stand-ups who are like very into sports or also played college sports at some level and then you like find your little your tribe or do you go the other way like you only want to talk to people who like were making web series in high school and stuff like that (laughs) that's funny uh no i usually like i've often bonded over sports in like comedy circles because you're you mentioned you were you know kind of in the in the scene for a minute there and it's um it's a cold world and it's a a bunch of strangers and it's hard to feel like you belong so if you can connect over anything you you just kind of do it um yeah you got to play your cards like very correctly yes. i remember i had a joke about a classic like what i look like joke where i said i looked mm-hmm. like if russell wilson went to liberal arts school and that one usually played pretty That's, well because yeah. people know who yeah. Russell Wilson is, you know? You can't uh-huh. get any more niche than that. Although one time, <laughs> shout out to uh, 
Shout out to the open mic at Comedy Underground. Uh, Thomas Rawls was there one time, and he loved that joke, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> oh, really? Thomas Rawls was there? Yeah, it was a big night for the Underground. Big night. I That's think sick. the Seahawks might have had like an event, you know, because none of the players live mm-hmm. in Seattle. They're always in the suburbs. Yeah. So I was guess in my head, I was like, why would he be here? And I figured it was okay. either like date night or the Seahawks had a nearby event, and he like came yeah, by after. Must have. Uh, just because you brought that up and it's relevant one time, one time, poor Randy Johnson, <laughs> he came to a late show at the comedy underground. This is probably like, you know, 2013, 2014. He was one of maybe six people in the audience. <laughs> and we talked to him for a little while afterwards. Cause it was like me and the, whoever was like running it that night was also a big baseball fan. And so we ended up chatting with him for a little while And he was like, what happened? Like, this used to be like the spot. Like, there were Mariners here every night and every night it was packed. Like, what happened? And we were like, I don't, I don't know, man, (laughs) but it's nice to meet you. That is deeply sad. I would feel like guilty for like making Randy Johnson upset if that happened to me. I, yeah, it was like, oh boy, I hope he, (laughs) we let him sit as far away as he wanted so that we could not see him or tell if he was laughing. And I think that was the only way to go. Well, and poor dude yeah. is 6'10". Like, he can't blend in anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Impossible. Um, so uh, what are your earliest Mariner memories? Were you, like, aware of what was happening in the late 90s? Do you remember Randy Johnson specifically and that whole gang? Oh, baby, do I ever. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for asking. I So I was, like, the prime age. I was born in 86. So I was the prime age to get hooked on the Mariner's uh, right at like the, the, the perfect time. So like 95, I'm nine, I'm eight or nine years old through 2001. I'm, you know, 14 to 15. Those are primo sports enjoyment ages. You are old enough to like understand baseball and, uh, like the scope of it. And, but still young enough that like I hadn't started, you know, smoking pot or drinking or going to parties or anything, And so like the 95 Mariners, especially huge touchstone for me, um, that season was, was, was big for, for my whole family. Cause like I grew up, my parents worked for, my dad worked, my dad was a machinist for Boeing. My mom worked for Primera Blue Cross. And so I, I'm pretty sure they just kind of got tickets from work sometimes. Um, cause we didn't like. I don't know. We didn't go to a lot of Seahawks or Sonics games. I th- and I know that like Boeing and Primera were both like, you know, Mariners advertisers. So I think I'm pretty sure every time we went to a game when I was young, it was because we got free tickets. And that was would have been a, like 93 to 95. And then when the Mariners um, made that run in 95, that was like, yeah, that was like primo age for me, like looking at baseball cards, reading box scores in the newspaper, seeing them you know, over the course of a month, gain 10 games on the Angels. Um, at the the one-game World Series was a huge deal in my, in my family. Uh, we all watched it. Um, my parents were actually at the, the game five against the Yankees. Um, I know, right? Um, and I watched it at my grandparents' house. And I still, like, the the double uh the even youtube footage of the double now will make me emotional and weepy and i am 
I am a, a, an emotionally stunted adult who is trying to like relearn how to cry when I am sad. And one of the things that like gets me is Mariners related things. So like, I don't know if you saw that Dorktown um, documentary series that the, like of John course. Boz. Yeah. That I, I look, I've, I've maybe cried in a movie like four times. I could think of, <laughs> I can think of like, what movies have made me cry? I know Joe Dirt's one of them, which is embarrassing, but Happy Feet, I Happy Feet too. <laughs> happy Feet got you. I was a child, so yeah, yeah. I think a Happy yeah. Feet was a big one. Brother Bear, also. There's a really sad part in that movie. Yeah, I know. I I'm trying to think. I I honestly, the only movie that I'm 100 percent certain made me cry was uh, Joe Dirt, and I'm sure there are a couple others, but. <laughs> This is so sick. This. Yeah. <laughs> this is a part when Kid Rock's like, no one loves you. Get out of here, Joe Dirt. It's very sad. Um, the, <laughs> but that Dorktown documentary series, I cried like f- I had to stop. Like I had to like pause it multiple times so that I could like have a moment for myself because I couldn't stop crying. Um, the double gets me the, when they were talking about, you know, Felix, Ugh, what a tragic character Felix is. So yeah, sorry to go back to your question. Yeah. It was really the 95, the 95 Mariners really set it off, but it was also like, I was, I was a kid who liked baseball just as Griffey came to town and Griffey was an undeniable superstar on the field and off, he was like the coolest guy to root for who made watching baseball so exciting and so fun um, that it was, yeah, it was impossible not to watch that team. And then when you think about who else was on the 95 Mariners, uh, Edgar, Griffey, Randy Johnson, A-Rod, was A-Rod on the 95? No, A-Rod was sort of. What? He was like technically yeah. on the team. He was on deck when Edgar hit the double. It's one of That's my favorite right. That's Mariner right. He's in the pile. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they 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 during those what I would consider the prime Mariners years, which is like ninety five through two thousand one. I was the right age to fall in love with this stupid fucking franchise. Sorry, if is it okay if I say the f bombs? You can you can swear on this podcast. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um. I don't want Bleacher Report. Is Lookout Landing Bleacher Report? I don't. It doesn't S- matter. SB Nation. Do Thank you very SB much. SB Nation. Oh, so, oh, I'm so sorry. SB Nation. I take it back. Um. But I. Yeah. I don't want to get you in trouble. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. I forgot what I was saying. But yeah. 95 Mariners really set it off. And uh. And I. And at this point. Yeah. I'm still. I'm still invested. And I kind of wish I weren't. But I am. Yeah, it's such a hard line to walk. And like for me, I'm a little too young for Griffey. I was born mm-hmm. during the 95 season, which I know Got longtime okay. listeners of this show will know because I talk about it all the time. But uh, so it's so funny to me how like for any Mariners fan under like 40, I guess you either had 95 as your entry point or 2001. And like if you don't like at least those eras, you know, and then after that, yeah. it's just like so, so bleak unless yeah. you're like a full so- adult falling in love with Robinson Cano, I guess. Yeah. So what, so what was you, for you, what was the entry point? Cause if, I feel like you, was it the 2001 Mariners? I feel like you were maybe like yeah. young. I was, yeah. I, 2001, it's like very blurry. I mean, I remember being at the stadium a lot, but I don't remember like mm-hmm. details. Obviously yeah. I was at the 
the Carlos Guillen bunt game, but don't remember anything about oh, it. Oh, that's sick, dude. That's so yeah. sick. <laughs> I know. I wish I wish that I was older because I've done a lot of old sporting events on YouTube during the pandemic, and mm-hmm, I watched mm-hmm. that game again, and it's hilarious because, like, Ricky Henderson is on the Mariners. Oh, uh, yeah. Eric- <laughs> Aaron Seeley throws like the game of his life and like watching him now you're like this guy was not great like he was really good at pitching you know but not like mm-hmm. great he just could throw mm-hmm. the ball wherever he wanted sort of thing and you're like wow this guy mm-hmm. was our ace you know yeah so I've been doing yeah. a lot of that trying to like re-watch early Mariners history through an adult lens rather than a five-year-old mm-hmm. lens so that's yeah. been fun but my yeah my entry point was just watching on TV because like my parents were kind of like you I mean, not age-wise, but, like, they were, um, like, <laughs> they fell in love with the Mariners in 95 because they had just, neither of my parents are from Washington, but they moved mm-hmm. here in the 90s, and then, like, that whole, you know, obviously, like, Griffey's here, the Mariners are winning, everyone kind of buys in. So yeah. they started really mm-hmm. liking the Mariners, and then when I was born, and from then on out, they were just, like, always on TV. So I think Dave mm-hmm. Niehaus helped a lot, like, if they had yeah. not had such a captivating announcer. Rick Riz, too, because we were a... A baseball on the radio family as well same, both of those same, guys are very radio. important yeah they were who were your uh so like everyone obviously talks about griffey he's like you know he is the mariners who was your yeah. guy when you were a kid who like in retrospect wasn't very good oh you know vince well the guy who i really loved back then oh well i mean when yeah when i was a kid joey cora because uh, sure. he was, you know, he was childlike and uh, consistent and very good for a little while. Um, but, you know, in retrospect, wasn't great. But the other guy who I think about a lot is Vince Coleman, who was, I think he was only on the Mariners for like half of that 95 season. I could be wrong, but he no, was a guy right. who just who just showed up and was like immediately a contributor. And it was like, I think... Maybe Julio Cruz Jr. was later, but Julio Cruz Jr. was a guy who played for the Mariners and was really good, and then they traded oh, him, yeah. and it seemed Ho- like... Jose Cruz Jr. Jose Did Cruz Jr., yeah, sorry, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Uh, exposed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, if I remember correctly, he was a left fielder, and everyone was really excited about him, and then he got traded, and Vince Coleman stepped in and was phenomenal for half a season and then disappeared. And so like, I have very fond memories of Vince Coleman. Um, even though, yeah, he was, you know, he was probably fine, but he just, it just seemed like he, he, he just kind of stepped in when the Mariners needed him most and was sort of a hero in that way. Yeah. That's also what I love about being a kid. Cause I don't know if you're timeline is correct or like obviously you forgot one of the guy's names like that's the beauty of being a childhood fan you're like i love these guys turns out like none of none of the things i remember about him were correct sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. like i i uh, i bought a gamecube during the pandemic to, mainly to play mvp baseball like my favorite game ever mvp05 yeah exactly yeah Hell you know yeah, dude yeah. and uh oh, Pokey i logged a lot it, of hours yeah, Pokey Reese is on the Mariners in that game, and I and remember he's so in, good in L five. Yeah, MVP five. He's so good. But yeah, exactly. So as a kid, when I was playing that game in real time, I was like, "Oh yeah, Pokey Reese, Mariners." But 
Turns out Pokey Reese never played a game for the Mariners. Never played a <laughs> he damn was like game. signed by them, but never actually made it to the field for whatever reason. So like it's yeah, a weird Mandela like... effect I have from like Mariners legend Pokey Reese and then turns <laughs> out he didn't do a single thing. Yeah, I think he like hurt he got a, he got injured and then released or something. But yeah, he never played a game and that MVP two thousand five Mariners team was so good for how bad that team ended up being in real life. Classic Mariners stuff. Well, that's, yeah, that's the first Beltre Sexton year. And Beltre is, like, yep. straight up, I think, the best hitter in the game. He's a god like, maybe it's like Pujols, yeah. John Dowd, yeah. and then him. Yeah, and Ichiro is unstoppable in that game as well. Yeah. It really is, like, such a. Because I haven't been, like, interested in thinking very hard during the pandemic. You know, I've been doing a lot mm-hmm. of revert back to old comforts. I don't want to, like, start anything new so i've just been playing old video games like i said watching sporting events where i know who's gonna win and yeah. i think it, it's it's been it's been like a balm you know it's a great way to ignore yeah what's happening although i do feel a lot better now not to get to like pandemic conversation but seems like things are trending upwards yeah i'm cautiously optimistic i'm feeling i'm feeling hopeful about the next few months and this summer uh but yeah i, I feel you um i've just been powering through tv and also it's funny you mentioned like finding old sports on youtube because like one of the things that i've done more uh during the pandemic than i have before is like uh old uh english premier league highlights i feel even i it sort of feels like i found i just like i i learned about a band that i didn't know about that has this huge back catalog and now it's like oh yeah i get to go back and like experience all of this new (laughs) and you know every once in a while some of it is like i don't really get why everybody's excited about this but i i guess it's important but uh yeah this robbie Keane game against uh (laughs) against arsenal in 87 is a big deal to you guys i don't know it looks like he just scored a couple goals but like ah let's keep (laughs) making our way through the catalog we're we're living pretty similar lives here. I've done a lot of like two AM watching Thierry Henry Arsenal highlights where he's like <laughs> absolutely just destroying some like defender with the giant collar who has like horrible bleach blonde hair and that sort of vibe. Yeah. I have absolutely been doing that. Um, you mentioned like cautious optimism and like how, you know, I feel like Mariner fandom sort of seeps into your brain and makes you like mm-hmm. kind of guarded like you can't really go full emotion into a lot of things because you're afraid of yeah. getting hurt is that something that you think has informed like your worldview and your approach to life like being a Mariners fan and all of the, the negative <laughs> effects that come with it dude a hundred percent I was thinking about that I've been thinking about this a lot I was I don't know if I was very excited quick quick aside this is like a small dream come true to be on the lookout to be involved in a lookout landing thing i used to in like 2009 2010 i used to like this was before i had like a smartphone where i could look at the internet i would like sneak away from work to look at uh lookout landing uh updates like during the early jack zarenzik era and stuff um so one you're you are making a dream come true so thank you two uh, yes, <laughs> being a Mariners fan has in some ways, like I think warped my own expectations for myself in a way that is sort of sad when I think about it, where like, you know, I don't expect to win anymore. I just don't. And I mean that in terms of the Mariners and like, 
look, being a a 34-year-old comedian in L.A. who is not successful by most traditional metrics, it's like (laughs) it's hard not to think that, like, maybe if I had lived in a city with a good baseball team, I could believe in myself. You know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. It's really easy to have the Eeyore mentality that sort of swallows all Mariners fans and, like, makes you, like, immediately – acceptant of any L's that you mm-hmm. take. You're like, well, I guess mm-hmm. this is what was supposed to happen. I'll, yeah. Yes. You know, get them next time. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that I, I had, to, I, I don't think it was a conscious decision, but somewhere around 2015, I had to like emotionally take a step back from the Mariners. Uh, I was very excited about the Robinson Cano era and, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't work out like I hoped. I, I, I went back and looked through some of my old tweets. Like I searched through my own Twitter for Mariners related tweets and I was pumped about the 2014 Mariners <laughs> and you know, they were a, an okay team. It was one of the, honestly, one of the better teams they've put on the field in the last 20 years did make the playoffs. And then, you know, 2015, 2016, I think if I remember correctly, we're both very bad teams. Um, and I 16 yeah, was I good. Think, 16. They were one game okay. away again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but I, I think 15, they were kind of bad. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think it was around then that I, I stopped like paying attention as closely because I just, I had to, man. It was, it, I think that, you know, I I had also just sort of shifted in, in my own life and was busier at night than I had been when I was younger. But I, I kind of, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't get that excited and, and be that invested anymore. Um and it's, that's kind of where I'm at now where, like, I want the Mariners to win. I'm I'm watching highlights. I'm watching box – I'm looking at the box scores. But, like, I don't know if I've watched a full Mariners game in the last three years. Yeah, I think it's a natural um, feeling for any Mariners fan right now. I definitely took the step back after 2018, so the last mm-hmm. Cano year. Like, that yeah. year, 20, they were doing the – the every other year thing. So 14, 16 and 18, they were pretty good. And then Mm -hmm. after 18 fell apart and they traded everyone. That's when I was like, this is a natural place for me to like stop investing so much. Obviously I was still invested. Like was still working for lookout landing and like doing this, but I wasn't watching (laughs) all nine innings nearly as much anymore. Yeah, I can't, I just can't, I don't have the attention span and, uh, yeah, it was just, it just became, yeah, I think I, after 2018, 2018 was like another step back for me too. Cause I moved to LA. So I, I wasn't as present in my life anyways. Um, and yeah, there was the fire sale. And so there were, there was, there was just nothing to be excited about. And so like, yeah, the last couple of years, um, before I, deleted my Facebook. The Mariners Facebook page is actually kind of great. And they do like a little highlight package after every game that kind of shows the like relevant stuff. So I would watch that every day. Um, but last season I didn't even, I couldn't even do that, man. Was that pandemic related or just Mariner fatigue or both? I guess. I think a little bit of both. I think, yeah. Beginning of the season. I know that I watched, I think I watched it. Maybe I did watch most of the first game of the season. Cause I was, excited about the prospect of a 60 game season because I knew that the Mariners were not good enough to make the playoffs in a 162 game (laughs) season, but the opportunity for flukes with a 60 game season did excite me. And of course I was immediately let down (laughs) like so fast. It was apparent that even, even with the shortened season, there was no way they were making the playoffs. 
Well, um, we got the Mariners got a shitty draw because they had to play the West, like the Astros, Dodgers, yeah. and Padres, and the A's. Yeah. I guess all very good teams, so that we really had no chance. And they did better than yeah. I think a lot of people expected them to. I will always mm-hmm. remember the pandemic season for the Mariners finishing ahead of the Angels, which is still very funny to me. Yeah, I like that. And Kyle Lewis, you know, it was exciting to to sort of track Kyle Lewis, um, you know, from a distance and. You know, and now I'm I'm at a stage where I am I'm trying so hard not to get excited because, oh, oh. well, that <laughs> Even, was my next question. Are you a prospect yeah, guy? Like, how are you feeling about you know the mm. the idea of them maybe being good next year? I the, and I think because I still follow the Mariners and I'm still reading about the Mariners and I'm still you know it's just sort of generally ingesting sports stuff on the internet. I'm aware of, you know, Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelenic and and some of these other guys who seem to be sure things. Um, and the second I got excited about it, fucking Kevin Mather has to go be the dumbest, just the, like, what a fucking moron <laughs> to blow up your baseball career trying to impress the Bellevue Rotary Club. What is... What kind of fucking in like you absolute dipshit? Because yeah. it's like he was clearly just trying to sound cool to yeah, these people exactly. who he's never who are not met. cool. <laughs> yeah, they're just. I mean, I'm sure they're fine, nice old people or whatever. But like, why are you talking tough to these strangers? It it was so stupid that I my immediate response was, oh, he's trying to get fired. There's oh, some sort of that's not a thing. theory I've heard yet. I like that. There's some sort of contract thing that I don't understand. He is trying to get fired. But then when he resigned, I was like, oh, no, he's truly stupid. He is a stupid, stupid man who has been in charge <laughs> of this thing that I have devoted so much of my emotional well-being to over the last 20 years. Right. And Which that does kind of like, make everything make more sense, too. You're like, oh, OK, yes. this guy, he yes. was part of the reason. <laughs> yes. I didn't realize <laughs> this person was so dumb because no one ever recorded him. But it turns out you put a microphone on this guy, he'll show his ass within seconds. Yeah, so many theories. I had not considered the trying to get fired because he was also part owner, so that would kind of complicate things. I don't really think yeah. oh, I didn't owners can that. get fired. Yeah. yeah, but also, I mean, other theories I had was that mug he was sipping from was alcohol. That definitely oh, came to mind. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not, I mean, that's a speculation. I'm not saying that yeah. a fact, but he was drinking from the mug a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, other one was that he doesn't understand um, like the recording element of it. I think, yeah. I mean, the weird part is everyone's made this joke, but like, you know, we've all been on zoom all year. Like, you know, when it's recording, you can see the yeah. red light that says recording, but I think he didn't know that that meant it was going to be, for later use yeah, i think he I, just thought it was like uh when you call customer service and they record yeah, that's kind of yeah. what i thought because there's no way if they had told him up top like hey we're gonna put this on our youtube channel mm-hmm. i don't think there's any way he says any of that but yeah. also like you said he is very dumb yeah that's because I, I think i think you're right i think someone at the rotary club got chewed out after this i think well, they he's, deleted it yeah yeah and I think, yeah, I think that he, no one told him, that's what I mean by he's dumb. No one told him we're going to put this on the internet. So he never considered that, which in, in the year of our Lord, 2021 on the internet, if you don't consider that you're so stupid, you should not be in charge of a, of an, 
this business operation that is so valuable, not only monetarily, but like emotionally to so many people and like a, right. a, a region, like who, whatever I get. Yeah, I get, no, get it, worked was, up. it was, it was an interesting look into like, Oh, this guy is not online because like, that's really yes. the only explanation. How would you not understand what is happening unless you like truly never go on the internet, which I think yeah. is possible. I mean, he's of that age for sure. Yes. And I, in some ways I do uh, think people who are not online are cool. Like when you hear about like an actor who's not online, you're like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like I, like Mads yeah. Mickelson is a guy who's like, I do not use the internet. And it's like, damn, that's cool. But sorry, if you're Kevin, if you're running a professional sports organization, you got to be a little bit more online. Like you don't need to be, um, making fake Twitter accounts to defend yourself and your shirt collars like uh, Colangelo, but you need to be aware of what happens on the internet. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Yeah, it was it was incredible to see it all unfold in real time too because obviously the meeting was before, but then like once it hit the internet, the whole thing happened in one day, like dazed and confused yeah. style where you're like, "Oh my god, there's more and more coming out and by the end of this uh-huh. you might be fired yeah. and then you know like it was just so fun in like a very perverse way to just watch it all happen <laughs> yeah yeah it was and to yeah just that was um i was thinking about this the other day that was for me that experience i i i became so regretful that i never got a trashy mariners tattoo when i was 21 oh i wish i had cuz like <laughs> i know better now i can't do it now but if if I were now a 34-year-old man with like the the baseball compass on my bicep and I could pull it out at parties and be like, "Yeah, I've always been a winner." That would be so <laughs> funny. Ugh. I do love yeah, the other like very niche fun thing about being a Mariners fan is like the weird irony of it. Like, yeah, I love mm-hmm. this team. Have they given me mm-hmm. anything? No, they have no, not, but I still love no. it. Yeah. Yeah, and then you like you're fucking like Calvin's dad from Calvin and Hobbes. Like, no, this is being a Mariners fan builds character. And I, yeah, no, this is actually great. I would never yeah. want to be a Yankees fan. That's Oh yeah. Hard. If I had been a Yankees fan and just had wins all the time, just like experienced joy based on sports. Oh, that would be, I would be weak and soft. Do you think being a Mariners fan has informed your comedy and like the things that you're willing to share on stage or like your sort of disposition? Like, are you, are you think, do you think that you are like the way you are on stage in a little bit because of how the hmm. Mariners have impacted your brain? Uh, I, man, I hope not. I don't want to give them that power. <laughs> but I think in some ways, I think indirectly, yes, because I think um, 
I think Mar- the Mariners are the reason I played baseball and the like playing baseball I think that it does ultimately like did ultimately like inform the the performer I became because I mean in retrospect this is like when, when we were talking about like transitioning from from jock to artist like I'm glad I played sports but I should have been doing performance stuff the whole time I part of the reason why I kind of excelled at baseball was the um like pitching, especially you're out there alone. Like that's a, that's a personality type where like you want to be the one that everyone is focused on. And like, I, I, I relished having that attention. And part of the reason I was successful in high school, cause I was, look, I was good in high school. Um, part of the reason I was successful in high school is because I was very comfortable in that spotlight. And I, I was, even though I did not have dominant stuff, I was a dominant presence on the mound. And when you're playing, you know, 16 year olds, that's enough. Like they hitting is very hard. There are maybe on any given high school baseball team, there are maybe three kids who can hit and the rest of them are scared. And if you are not, and you look them in the eye and you throw strikes and you are not afraid and you go after them, you will be very successful. And so I think that that, that has informed the way when I am at my best, that's, that's how I am on stage is I am, I am not afraid of you. I am in charge. This is my game to lose. This is my set to lose. (laughs) And I don't, you're a child to me. (laughs) So I will look you in the eye and I will dominate this set and then I will leave uh, except, you know, you, you get to enjoy it. Yeah. Guess what? Loud people in the front responding to my jokes. My arm feels great. I can go yeah. three more innings if you want. <laughs> yeah. I do this all day. <laughs> um, that is very funny. Uh, I was going to ask if you have experienced angels fans in Southern California, cause I went to college in Southern California and they seem to very few and far between. Like, I feel like to be mm-hmm. true angels fan, you have to be like orange County to the bone, which is not yeah, really a yeah, kind yeah, of person yeah. I was trying to be around. So what yeah. have been your experiences? If any, where wait, sorry, where did you go to college? University of San Diego. So not in okay. the yeah, LA okay. area, but enough orange County kids made their way down yeah. there. I so Angels fans not a ton because like you said it's a it's a pretty that's a pretty Orange County specific thing but one of my best friends from college is from Newport Beach um, and so he's a big Angels fan and some of his friends are big Angels fans so I have been to multiple games in Anaheim to see the Mariners play the uh, the, the worst Angels. stadium God I hate that it's, stadium yeah it's it's such. It's what is it? It's, you know, it's bland. Like it's technically it checks all the boxes, but it is yeah. so soul. Some, some baseball bland. writer. I can't remember who it was. This was a long time ago. said it's like the chilies of Major League Baseball stadiums. Yep. Oh, that seems that's perfect. perfect. Yeah. Did you go to any games at Petco? I don't know if it's still called Petco. I did. The, yeah. Yeah. The, I, I went to I did all the stadium. Southern California stadiums, Petco, Angel Stadium and Dodger Stadium. And nice. Petco and Dodger Stadium are definitely in a class of their own for yeah. much different reasons. Obviously, yeah. like one is yes, they're full very nostalgia <laughs> porn. And the other one is like the ideal version of a modern park. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yes. I love both those places. But Petco is it's very much like I liked it because it felt a lot like Safeco where you can mm-hmm. like you're in the city kind of, but not in like. Yeah. A, in a like in a way that's like 
inconvenient. You know, like there's like a designated mm-hmm. area. You mm-hmm. can walk to a bunch of places afterwards. There's like a you park can, in the yeah. in the stadium, basically. Yeah, it's a very cool. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, not a lot. Not a lot. L.A. is a Dodgers town. Uh, people love the Dodgers, and you know, I'm. I would say now that like the Dodgers are kind of like my my secondary team. I'm you know I'm Mariners for life. But like now that I live here and they truly do not play in the same league, literally or figuratively, um, I root for the Dodgers if they're playing anyone other than the Mariners, and. I love it. Um, but yeah, yeah Angels no, I think fans. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Angels fans. I, I, I haven't had any bad experiences with Angels fans. Um, and I, in fact, was. I was at. This was 2009. I was fortunate enough to be at a game uh, in Anaheim, <coughs> excuse me, where the Mariners were losing by three going into the top of the ninth. And Jose Lopez hit a three run home run to tie the game. And then they won in extra innings. Oh, that, That's what a choice moment. Yeah, and it was great. And I, I don't know. Anaheim fans, it's, they're, it, I don't get the impression that there are any, like, real, like, ride or die, like, aggressive uh, Angels fans. It's, uh, so, you know, Orange, Calif- Orange California, Orange County is uh, notoriously casual. And I think that that tracks with Anaheim fans to me. Oh, yeah, big time. It's so funny to me, though, like L.A., like you said, 1,000% a Dodger town, which is why it's mm-hmm. so funny to me that the Angels are like, oh, yeah, we're in Los Angeles, too. Because, yeah, yeah. like, A, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Anaheim is yeah. not close. I get That's so like a three-hour drive if you go on a Friday. I know. This is another, like, kind of ongoing bit I have both on the podcast and in writing. Whenever I can get a dig in at how dumb it is that a team in Anaheim claims Los Angeles, I take it 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, they they deserve to be ridiculed for that forever. Absolutely. Um, Okay, I wanted to give you this last part to get any sort of take off. If you have any sort of deeply um, believed opinion, anything very unique to yourself that you would like to share in relation to the Mariners. If you have a a hot take about uniforms or a prospect or anything you want to share, you can go ahead and do that. I let's see what what do I think is my hottest Mariners take? Let's let's start with the uniforms to warm you up. Okay. What's your favorite okay. and least favorite Mariner uniform? Ooh, okay. I think my I mean my favorite's the teal, baby. I love the Hell teal. Yes, thank you. Yeah, me too. I love the teal. Uh, the with the, the the teal brim hat too. Big fan of that. Um. I've also, in recent years, become a big fan. I don't know if they still do it, but the like really dark, uh, the really dark blue I like a lot, and then like like the cream I like the cream a lot. Um, <clears throat> least favorite, you know, just like the standard grays. Uh, who cares? But they're not supposed to be exciting. Um, I would. Huh? Do I want to see the Mariners change their logo? Because I feel like they have. For a for an unsuccessful franchise, they have committed to this jersey and logo. And I've I've been watching Mad Men lately, and part of part of, you know a lot of what Mad Men is about is like starting over. And <laughs> uh, and it's like how has no one decided to start over? I guess whatever. It, it, I want them to change uniforms, but I also know that whatever they do, I will hate. So. 
it's hard for me to say, but I've, I, I think that the Mariners uniforms throughout my life have all been good. Like I think the blue and yellow was good. I think the Trident was good. Uh, the current iteration for being a nineties, a thing that was made in the nineties, it doesn't look super nineties. I think they actually did a great job of making a a uniform that sort of fits the city and, and could stand the test of time. Yeah, it is weird to think about how little 90s logos have lasted. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of them were so cartoonish, like the Toronto mm-hmm. Raptors immediately mm-hmm. come to mind. Exactly. Like, that one is yeah. such a signifier of the mid-90s now, where the Mariners one is totally, like, it does hold up. But I agree. I think they need tweaks more than a full makeover. Like, yes. definitely keep teal, definitely keep a navy blue alternate. But, like, the regular home whites and the home grays could use, like, some yeah. pizzazz. Even if it's just wearing the teal brimmed hats as the regular hat. Yep. I think that's like a, yeah. a slam dunk idea. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Cause like the regular Navy hat, ugh, it's just, it's just boring. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's a good hat, but it's not going to like, like wow anyone. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, those are my Jersey takes. Do I have any hot Adrian Beltre didn't get the respect he deserved. Uh, maybe this isn't that hot of a take in, in like, you know, more informed baseball circles. But Adrian Beltre was a phenomenal third baseman who came in with just standards that were just far too high. He said, you know, he had a he had a one historic season that was unrepeatable. And then he came to the Mariners and I was guilty of this. I was disappointed uh, for a while that he, you know, that he didn't bat 350 and hit 60 home runs because that is (laughs) unreasonable to expect of a person. Um, And he became like one of my favorite baseball players to watch even after he left the Mariners. Um, and so I, I think this is mostly me trying to like uh, ameliorate personal guilt. I hope I use that word. Right. Um, but yeah, sort of retroactively like going back and being like, Brent, you were wrong. You were wrong about Adrian Beltre. He was very good when he was a Mariner and just like a joyful character to watch. Um, yeah. So, you know, put some respect on his name. That's a good level take for this audience, for sure, because I feel like we are probably kind of divided. The worst thing that happened to Beltre, you're 100% right, was hitting 48 home runs or whatever (laughs) it was in 2004. If he had just had like a normal season for his standards, then Mm -hmm. the expectations don't come. Obviously, he'd be Mm -hmm. less rich, but like that is fine in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, um, and I think ultimately what helped him in my eyes was was Sean Figgins um, because he came a little bit later, right? Yeah. And he was just a complete disappointment in every way. Ugh. Yeah, I'm worried now that uh, Robinson Cano is going to get the Beltre treatment, like retroactively, because of the suspension. I think that's going to cloud mm-hmm. a lot of people's memory mm-hmm. of him in Seattle. And he was, like Beltre, very, very good. Like, very, there was very one good. year, I think. I think 2016, he hit 39 home runs or something. Like, for a second baseman, that's unheard yeah. of and he was like man i was so excited because it, it not only was he did it seem like oh we we signed this you know possibly generational talent who i had no it didn't seem like there was any way we were even in the running so when we signed him i was so excited not only for robinson cano but for the 
the the culture shift that I thought was going to happen, which is too much to put on him as a single player. Um, there was too much broken for him to fix by himself. But what he did, yeah, he played very consistently, very well. And he, like, in terms of being fun to watch, I think... I think it goes Griffey and then in my lifetime, Griffey and then Cano, because they both were so smooth and they both, they both, ugh. Okay. Here's a hot take. Oh, here's a hot take that's not specifically Mariners, but it is baseball. Um, okay. Bat flips, that's Korea's, that's Korea owns the bat flip. They are the best at it. The Korean baseball leagues. I don't know if you read that. Mina Kimes did a long story about bat flips like five, six years ago. I love it. It's yeah, fascinating. I did read that. Um, yeah. I think America, American baseball, we're we're learning how to bat flip, but really what we excel at is the bat drop. And I mm. think Griffey perfected it, and I think Cano also was very good at it. Um, where they they hit a home run, and the second they make contact, they are instantly bored with how great they are it is yeah. so normal to them that robinson cano and griffey would both do that do that thing where they would hit a home run and just like ugh, like slump and drop their bat like like ugh, great another one <laughs> yeah god now i have to run around the bases are you fucking yeah. kidding me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that's a good take I, my thing about bat flips is that you can tell um when they're natural and when they're not you know, uh-huh. so like with the with the strut or like the drop plus strut, that's a great way to find out like who's naturally mm-hmm. cool because you can't plan mm-hmm. that. It's immediate. So like you hit it, you drop the bat, you start your cool guy walk. If you're not a cool guy, guess what? You don't have a cool guy walk. Yeah. That's when you get the weird like chunky bat flips where like halfway down to first, they realize, oh, I could just throw this in the air and I'll yes. make sports center or whatever. That's yes. so lame. Those are bad. I, I, cause that's another thing that I will fall into YouTube holes is like bat flips. Oh, love a bat flip. Yeah. And I just recently, I was so friggin' mad. The MLB released their, like on their Instagram page, it was like top 10 bat flips of 2020. And I was so disappointed. And I think I, here's maybe even a hotter take. I blame Jose Batista because, uh, he made it look cool in that in that playoff game when he hit that monster bomb to like course, win a yeah. game and he he like stood there for a second and then he threw it and it was i think that everyone interpreted that as like the way he threw the bat was cool when it was like no there was there was other there was so much more context necessary to make that cool because the flip itself was you know a little yeah like you were saying a little clunky uh a little extra frankly um, and, and I think that's what a lot of these bat flips were in this top 10 list where someone hitting a home run and then you can see them think, Oh, I got to throw this fucking bat. Yeah. I, yeah. yes, I want it to be a natural extension of your greatness is <laughs> the bat ends up in places when you are done and it's an unconscious decision. And yeah, I think some people like Brett Boone, I think is a good example of someone who was a little bit, there was a little bit more like effort and thought and it's not as cool, but he, he kind of made it work. I think he, he kind of yeah. figured well, out. He, the he had the immediate one too. He would hit it and then yes. flip right away. Not yes. halfway to first. Yes. Yes. The and Batista he, he one, good, you're right. It's, it's that beat. 
yeah, the beat mm-hmm. that Batista takes, it's a great lesson in timing, honestly. Like yes. you have to you have to understand the way things will look if you let it breathe for a little bit. And he was mm-hmm. great at that. I also love I think just watching the home run until it lands also a very cool move. Like just stay oh, completely yeah. still. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. <laughs> All right, well, we got you all riled up right at the end, which maybe wasn't a good idea. Feel free to like take a, a, a lap around your block or whatever to cool oh, down. Like, but yeah, I think we've reached the end of the rope here. Uh, I do need to let you plug or whatever, get your get your shit off. I know you said you have a lot of main character syndrome, so this kind of feeds into that. Tell us where <laughs> we can find you, stroke your own ego, do all of that for as long as you want. For sure. Uh, I mean, look up my album, search, you know, just just scan through the high life section of Spotify until you find my uh, my comedy uh, EP. It's called 20 for 30. Um, I currently work on a couple of podcasts that are very good. If you're interested in The Sopranos, listen to Pod Yourself a Gun. Uh, if you are interested in video games, listen to the Reactivators podcast. I also have a podcast that is it's over now, but it was a serialized uh, comedy sci-fi called Charlie Kaufman's Entourage. I made a hundred episodes. Honestly, started episode fifty-six. Wow. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's that's those that's where you can find me. Um, for now, hopefully I'll have, I'll be able to like promote shows in the near future, but you know, those aren't really happening for me right now. Yeah. Is it just all zoom? Are you doing like backyard shows? What's the vibe there? Dude, I haven't, I haven't, no, I've done a few zoom shows here and there. Um, I haven't done any, like, I haven't been on a stage since like October for like an outdoor thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it was. I haven't been going out of my way to get on some of these outdoor shows because most of them it's sort of it <laughs> yeah. still sort of feels like I don't know if we're supposed to be doing this. I don't know if this is worth it. Uh, I can wait. I don't know. Yeah, but hopefully, post vaccine summer, safe sex, paychecks, in person shows is going to be sick. I completely am stealing safe sex paychecks. I have not heard that <laughs> yet. Did you make that up? No, that's um that's a Ray Remmerd song. No way. Oh, yeah. shit. Okay, cool. Yeah. Shout out to Ray Strammer. They listen, yes. so they'll be thrilled yep. about that. <laughs> Slim Jimmy, what's up? <laughs> yeah, get, get Brent on your next album, Ray Strammer. That's the next logical career move <laughs> for you in the jock to artist pivot. Oh, would love that. Uh, Brent is also on Twitter, at Brent Flyberg. Oh, his yes, name. thank you. Look I'm, me up on Twitter, please. I am on Twitter at mroberson22. There's numbers in it because I made it in high school. Not going to live that one down. Not scrubbing it. If you find anything (laughs) on there that is bad, guess what? No, you didn't. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Appreciate it. Press subscribe if you feel so inclined. I have no idea what the next couple weeks of podcasts will look like. We had real news to cover for a while and like interviews with prospects. And now they're all in Arizona and the news is just spring training is happening. So we're probably going to get creative, but we hope you listen during all of that. Um, yeah, Brent, anything else before we go? Uh, thank you so much for having me. I truly, if you're listening and you're like, I don't have anyone to talk to the Mariners about fucking hit me up, dude. I don't have anyone to talk about it with and I could talk about it nonstop. Oh, I really could. I hope you do. I hope you just stop people on the street and talk to them about, uh, Logan Gilbert's curveball or whatever. Get as specific (laughs) as possible to really scare them away. 
Yeah, I'll ask him. Hey, you, you remember Unieski Betancourt? Ah, he was easy promising. Better than you remember. And then they run yeah. away. And that's, that <laughs> should be your next, like, three weeks or so. Perfect. Well, good luck with that. Thank you again to everyone who listened, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Just to